0: Listen to Nerd Wallet's Smart Money podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charlewood, your friend, the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books, as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and, of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. It began long ago. Two young boys in an American town riding their bikes to school and little league practice. Over the years, the boys became fast friends, united in their love for stories where things would go horribly wrong. Pour yourself a strong beverage and buckle up. You're in the shallow end. With Schneble and Toth.
1: As you just heard, it is indeed The Shallow End with Schnebley and Toth. And has been for quite some time, actually. <laughs> Except no substitutes or cheap imitations insist on the actual podcast. We don't want you <laughs> misled. Before we start, I need to give a special shout out, not only to our listeners, but to my dear, dear friend, J.G., who very graciously said last week, Lins, why don't we just run an episode uh, from before so we don't have to record a new one. Very quickly, the reason we did that is that I had to go back to Arizona to uh, tend to and essentially say goodbye to my mom Mm. in Tucson. And uh, she has since passed away and I am grateful for that. I am relieved that she is in heaven and reunited with my dad and all of her friends. But I was very touched by the fact that JG said, you know, Linz, I think your relationship with your mom is more important than this damn podcast. (laughs) Yeah, I was really going out on a limb there, uh, buddy. (laughs) But I wanted Um, to acknowledge that. And it was interesting because a few days ago, uh, a woman named uh, Devon, who is uh, on our street uh, and is a big fan, she and her husband, Brad, are big fans of this podcast. And she said, I really appreciated you guys rerunning that previous episode because i never heard it when it first came out i wasn't listening to the podcast so oh wow so i thought you know what that's probably uh that's probably not a bad thing from time to time to rerun a previous episode because we do have listeners who are still coming on board who have not listened to the entire catalog.
2: Not a bad idea. Maybe we can throw one in as a bonus episode
1: from time to time. I also like saying catalog with a straight face because it makes me sound like I'm a musician with 25 albums.
2: (laughs) Well, this is what, 76, episode 76. That's I think once you get by like maybe 20, 25 uh, episodes, you can consider it a catalog. Okay. But I I spell it the European way. Well,
1: of course you do. It's just classier. We would accept no substitute. Again, it's (laughs) got to be spelled in the European fashion. Gives it an air of dignity.
2: I spell Czech q u e as well too i love that to me it seems classy of course doesn't take much i'm like wow there's three forks on the table that's classy <laughs> who's coming over <laughs> normally there's just one
1: we must be having company
2: is that a new character that you're developing yeah uh,
1: that's uh that's uh, confused fork guy that's a character i'm, <laughs> I'm just coming up with
2: <laughs> confused fork
1: guy it was
2: 1977 in england and a group of friends Friends. I guess we could call them friends, or we could call them would-be burglars. They were looking for opportunities to quickly increase their net worth.
1: That's a very industrious way to
2: put it. Well, they were entrepreneurial-minded. Yeah, it makes them sound uh, like
1: hardworking people just looking to increase their net worth. Street executives, if you will. There you go. They looked at various locations
2: to rob, such as banks and storefronts, uh, post offices, even private homes. But these targets proved to be a bit more complicated than they wanted to deal with because they were rookies. They hadn't done this before, and they were afraid they would encounter something somebody uh, at the premises while they were in the process of robbing it. And so they looked for other options.
1: I guess the option of never committing the robbery in the first place was not on the list. If it
2: had been, it was voted down. Gotcha. (laughs) Um, One day, one of the members of this would-be burglary group uh, was walking by an abandoned airfield. Wow. It was an air force base from world war two that had been decommissioned. How,
1: how cool is that? I love stuff like that.
2: Yeah. I got into a rabbit hole on YouTube the other night about abandoned missile silos oh. and how people have turned them into like houses and stuff. It's
1: Can't cool. you, can't you actually buy, buy one yeah. or two of those? Yeah. Government surplus. Turn it into a, like a, a man cave. I want to do that so much. How cool would that be? Well, at this
2: decommissioned Air Force base, there was a bunker built into the side of a large hill, a big concrete bunker. You've probably seen pictures of these types of things. The bunker was secured by two giant steel doors, and these doors looked like, like a bank vault. Uh, protecting something of great value. So this piqued their interest. <laughs> of course it they did. They decided this is the perfect first burglary for us. We can cut our teeth on this. What could go wrong? The Air Force base had been shut down a long time ago. And these steel doors on the side of the hill were, they were a long way from any other buildings that remained on on what was the Air Force base. Right. So they made a plan. They were going to break into this vault and remove its precious contents. They made several reconnaissance trips, uh, several days out there, to determine the best way forward. Should they dig into the side of the hill? Should they come down through the the? T-
1: nah, none of that's going to work because clearly it's it's a concrete bunker. So they they just to clarify, they have no idea what's inside this bunker. No, they're just guessing that there's something worth stealing. Because it looked like a
2: very secure facility. Sure. And it was off in the middle of nowhere. And I guess their mindset was, if there's something in there, cool. If not, at least we, we have the experience now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, this was a gigantic concrete vault. They could break the lock somehow. Maybe. Maybe they could. These steel doors were massive, but it appeared as though the doors had been closed a long time ago and the locks were all rusted shut. That wasn't the way to go. So as they were inspecting the doors more carefully, one of the burglars came up with an idea they just take the hinges off, let the doors drop to the ground. Not a bad idea. Gain entry that way. Have gravity do the work. But they couldn't just unscrew the hinges. That's not how it worked. This place was designed for security. And they would have to cut through the metal hinges using an acetylene torch. Wow, that's hardcore. Fortunately, one of the burglars had one of these uh, torches. He he was familiar (laughs) with how to use it. So they figured this is the way to go. So the gang assembled one night and they loaded up their gear into a van and a second van followed along. It was empty. They could use a second van to fill it up with their booty or treasure or whatever was lying behind those steel doors. Soon, they arrived at their target. It was a moonless night. That was intentional. They parked their vehicle carefully. They unloaded their equipment, including the acetylene torch and cutting devices. They quickly looked around to ensure no guards or anybody was in the area. Smart. And even though the bunker was set off by itself a long way from many of the other buildings that were on the base, they just wanted to be sure. Of course. They saw no one. But they did see one building on this decommissioned Air Force base that was partially lit up. Hmm. And that surprised them because they they thought the entire base had been abandoned decades ago. Right. And since their previous reconnaissance trips had been during the day, they hadn't noticed any activity in the building. But now at night, they could see the lights were on and there were people inside, even at this late hour. But that didn't deter them. (laughs) They just put one of one of their guys out there as as a guard to stand watch, look out. So if anybody in the building heard them or came out to investigate, they would have time to load up their their gear and skedaddle. Sure. So at this point, the acetylene torches are lit, and the cutting of the hinges begins. Now these were colossal metal doors, about twelve feet high. Wow! Wow. Each had four huge hinges on them so this was gonna this gonna take a while yeah with the torch lit they began cutting through the first hinge success then they cut through the second success and then the third success okay and then they move on to the fourth hinge now a couple of things are essential to mention here The World War II-era concrete bunker with giant metal doors built into the side of the hill was initially used as a munitions storage facility. Oh, boy. Now, fortunately for them, when the Air Force Base was decommissioned, all of those explosives had been removed from the bunker and disposed of. They were lucky because they were cutting through with an acetylene torch. Another thing that... uh, that they should have realized was that the building with the lights on was a factory. Okay. It was a factory called Sky High Pyrotechnics, a fireworks factory. And even though the munitions bunker had been emptied out when the base was decommissioned, Sky High Pyrotechnics used the bunker to store their fireworks tons and tons of fireworks.
1: Uh, okay. All right.
2: Anyway, back to the burglars. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. so they're they're <laughs> they're cutting away on the next hinge when that dark moonless night suddenly became bright as day. <laughs> the explosion was so massive it lit up the sky for several surrounding counties. Holy cow. It took a little while, but the heat from the acetylene torch was slowly increasing the heat on the metal doors, which was in turn (laughs) heating the interior of the bunker. Right. A multitude of explosions erupted in a synchronized burst. Roman candles shot forth countless incendiary spheres in all directions. Large rockets streaking through the sky, bursting in a myriad of unpredictable patterns. Catherine's wheels spinning joyfully, illuminating the night with dazzling display. The entire area was lit up. Gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. But the bunker wasn't. Nope. It wasn't at all. (laughs) The roof disintegrated into fragments, walls unfurled like blooming flower petals, and the blast doors were discovered atop several distorted getaway vehicles. (laughs) Fragments of concrete and vehicle components (laughs) scattered across the site. Lingering remnants of long, Uh, long after the dissipated smoke had unveiled the extent of uh, the damage. The heavy, the heavy steel plated doors had blown off their hinges and landed right on both of their getaway vehicles, crushing them flat.
1: When you said 12 foot tall doors requiring four hinges a piece i thought i was trying to picture how tall that would be you know 12 feet high and and then thinking those doors had to weigh at least a ton you would think if not if not more and and what what would happen if you say lost control of of where that door went
2: (laughs) (laughs) well now we know now we know it did not take long for police, fire, and rescue to arrive since the explosion had been seen from several counties away. When they arrived, there was no one to be found. All they found was a pile of twisted smoking steel wreckage and two extremely flat getaway vans.
1: What's the theory there? Were these, were these guys like vaporized by the explosion? One would hope, but
2: uh, but no, there was no, there were no remains. There were they couldn't find anything biological. Uh, so they began to talk with hospitals nearby. Law enforcement uh, interviewed all of the hospitals within the region and learned that there had been no one, no reports of anyone presenting themselves to the emergency room with burns or explosive-related injuries,
1: looking like uh, a crispy wily e. coyote. Yeah. And dripping in soot.
2: So one would assume that they all had survived somehow miraculously. So they apparently made a getaway, probably like, like you said, with black powder all over their face, <laughs> smoke coming off their heads, their heads. <laughs> and reeking of sulfur. Um, but there is one consolation, even though this literally blew up in their face. Law enforcement gave them their own really cool gang nickname. Yeah. These bumbling burglars who blew up a munitions dump full of fireworks will forever be known as the the hole-in-the-ground gang. Nice. Nice. Uh, That's priceless. This information comes from the BBC and CrimeScribe.com. Wowza.
1: I'm wondering if they... uh, I'm I'm trying to picture, A, how these guys survived... And B, if they, when they got back to wherever they lived, thought, I wonder if we could uh, file an insurance claim on our crushed cars.
2: <laughs> I would imagine that, uh, and I don't have information on this, but I, I, I would imagine that they were probably pretty quickly caught
1: once those vehicles were identified. Probably so, yeah. God, that's amazing. You know, what's interesting to me, and I guess this this just proves over and over again how stupid the people in these stories that that we tell are the fact that they got there and just across the way there is a factory with workers and lights on and the crooks think "Ah, we're fine we can we can we can proceed with this plan it's just amazing
2: the fact that those were 12-foot metal doors If their plan had succeeded and the doors
1: just toppled forward, that noise would have been heard. You're right. That alone. For miles. Yeah, you would have felt that. Nice story, pal. (laughs) Well, not for them.
2: No. (laughs) Um, Yeah, they're down to vehicles and they smell like soot. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. One of the most unpleasant things is shopping for a new doctor.
1: What a hassle. Particularly a doctor who actually gets you, listens to you, makes you feel... Super comfortable. You call their office, you've got an appointment made, then the
2: receptionist tells you that they don't take your insurance. I actually had an experience like that. I specifically got a type of insurance because a doctor's office said they took it. And then I go there and they go, oh, we don't take this insurance.
1: Well, wipe your tears, put away the ice cream and head over to ZocDoc and find and book the doctor who's right for you and takes your insurance. ZocDoc is a free app where you can find amazing doctors and book appointments Online. We're talking about booking appointments with thousands of top rated patient-reviewed doctors and specialists. You can actually filter specifically for the ones who take your insurance, they're located near you, and they treat almost any condition you're searching for.
2: And these doctors all have verified reviews from actual real patients,
1: not Bots. And here's the good news. The average wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between just 24 to 48 hours. That's it. You can even score same-day appointments. If I had needed this product recently, this is exactly what I would
2: use. I wish I'd known about it when I was looking for a doctor. Go to ZocDoc.com TSE and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today.
1: That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash tse zocdoc.com tse hey you love the convenience of a protein bar for a quick snack but you also love your Italian food. Introducing new Italian Food Protein Bars, the new way to get a quick shot of protein with old-school Italian flavors. Imagine driving to work with a protein bar that tastes like real spaghetti your mom used to make, or taking the subway while munching on a bar that tastes like fresh-made lasagna. There's even new spaghetti carbonara bars that'll make you swear you're in your favorite Italian restaurant. We've even made them so moist, you can actually spill some on your clean white shirt. People will think you had a big Italian meal on your way to school or work. Italian food protein bars are perfect for picnics and tailgating. All of the flavor, none of the cooking hassle. Italian food protein bars, now in your grocer's freezer. Hey, first off, a shout out to my favorite niece. <laughs> yes, she's my only niece, but she's still my favorite niece, Sedona Hidinger. When I was in Tucson last week, she made some offhanded comment <laughs> about protein bars that taste like Italian food. And my <laughs> eyes got wide and I said, Yes! Sedona, thank answer. you. So uh, my my shout out to uh, my sweet niece, Sedona, for coming up inadvertently with that, uh, with that commercial idea. Ideas are everywhere. You just got to have the right niece. That's all. Our email address is lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com. This is from a listener in the garden state new jersey her name is heather she says my dearest jg and Lindsay, inspired by your story of the man who made a pet out of a rattlesnake ultimately resulting in a nasty bite on his tongue i knew i had to share my own shallow and venomous snake story you guys might remember i think that was with that two three episodes ago jg of the guy who brought the snake to the party and decided to impress people by putting it in his mouth and yeah it didn't end well didn't end well no none of these stories do no no Heather says, working in a pet store as a teenager, early 20-something-year-old, lent to many an odd tale. The one I wish to recount today is that of my friend, co-worker, who helped a customer, and in doing so, endangered his entire family. We received a call one day from a patron who had captured a snake in his yard and wanted us to identify it. Thinking he would bring in a picture of the snake, we said, <laughs> sure, we can do that. Instead, what he brought in was a bucket with a live adult snake inside. Oh, no. Now, living in northern New Jersey, the most common native snakes we saw were rat snakes and garter snakes, both harmless. Mm. This time, however, it happened to be one of only two venomous species found in our state. A nice big copperhead snake. No. After telling our customer what he had brought us, he turned a little pale and sheepishly asked if we could take his new serpentine friend off his hands. He even <laughs> offered to let us keep the bucket. What a guy. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> I, being the reasonable person that I am, figured we would take the snake into the woods after work, carefully release it far from any local hiking trails. My coworker and friend, however, saw a rare opportunity. Now, it's not legal to keep venomous species in New Jersey. This was the chance for my reptile loving friend to own one. No. At home, he had a properly sized vision cage, a type of reptile enclosure, with two sliding glass doors on the front that overlap in the middle, allowing you to slide either pane and access the terrarium from either side. The fact that these glass pieces overlap leaves a small gap between the panes. No! This this wasn't a problem, however, because he was placing an adult copperhead into this enclosure, and that snake could never fit through that gap. Why do I think this doesn't end well? Imagine my friend's beaming pride when he set up his new friend in a lovely terrarium in the middle of his family's home. The next morning, he couldn't wait to check on his new pet, but was met with quite a surprise. No, (laughs) it wasn't a missing snake. Quite the opposite overnight his pet snake had somehow turned into four snakes what that's right the copperhead he had taken home was a pregnant female who gave birth overnight to three baby snakes while he slept upstairs oh no now one thing that's very important to know about copperheads is that they give birth to live young instead of laying eggs like many other snakes do So there are no eggshells to ascertain how many babies one copperhead snake has birthed. There grows a great mystery. It's well established that copperheads typically have three to ten babies at a time. So the great question at the moment was, did this snake have the bare minimum of three and all were safely contained within the terrarium? Or (laughs) did she have four to ten and the others had already escaped and gone on their merry way to explore my friend's family house? This was a mystery that plagued my friend for many months to come, living in a constant state of fear that a venomous snake might be lurking in a ceiling tile, a cabinet, a bin of holiday decorations, an appliance, or perhaps even a bedroom blanket. He never did come across any babies, but even years later, the mystery (laughs) remained. <laughs> the shallow end lesson I'd like your listeners to take away from is this If someone brings you a venomous snake in a bucket Don't take it home with you and attempt to make it part of your family You never know and one snake might become four, five, or even eleven snakes overnight Thank you guys for all you do I love the podcast and eagerly await each new episode Yours truly, Heather from New Jersey Thank you, Heather
2: That's uh, quite a story, oh, Heather
1: God, wow. that gives me the willies you know, even when you know a snake is not venomous. Just seeing one. Just seeing them. Being surprised by one.
2: I just, oh. Yeah, yeah. God. I don't like them. I don't like them. Gives it's nothing the personal against the snakes. It's I'm just, sure I, they're... It's yeah, I don't know.
1: There's something, I was going to say, there is something primal that I think God wove into all of us as a way of saying, do not reach down and pick that up. It's in our DNA. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I have a... A f- college friend, Paul, whom whom you know, who we got talking one time about why, uh, uh, how to put this, why vomit smells as bad as it does. And <laughs> Paul said, I think it's God's way of driving home the point, do not put this on an English muffin. <laughs> so I think that's the same thing with snakes. There is a reason <laughs> yeah, that the majority right. of us see one and automatically recoil and think yeah snake bad snake He's bad snake, get away snake from man. snake fast yeah
2: when Johann Rahl received the letter on christmas day 1776 he put it away to read later maybe he thought it was a season's greeting and wanted to save it for the fireside but what it actually was was a warning delivered to the hessian colonel letting him know that general george washington was crossing the delaware and would soon attack his forces The next day, when Raw lost the Battle of Trenton and died from two Colonial Boxing Day musket balls, the letter was found, unopened, in his vest pocket. As someone with 15,000 unread emails in his inbox, I feel like there's a lesson there. Oh well, this is The Constant, a history of getting things wrong. I'm Mark Chrysler. Every episode, we look at the bad ideas, mistakes, and accidents that misshaped our world. Find us at ConstantPodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just
0: see how weird and wacky history can be. This is your friendly lifeguard with a public service announcement. (whistles) Stay out of the fucking deep end! You're in the shallow end with Schneppley and Toss.
1: I want to give a shout out to a listener named Jordan Daniels who has sent... Uh, quite a few stories according to, the, uh, according to the lifeguard. How the hell do I, do I forget lifeguard, having just said <laughs> lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com? <laughs> this is such a wily e. Coyote, Scooby-Doo kind of story that when I read it, I thought, oh, this is, this is one of my favorite Shallow End moments ever. I have entitled this story, JG, Need a Lift, Buddy?, I'm intrigued already. Right? These are about some employees in Akron, Ohio, who work at a place called Arlington Auto Wrecking, and you can guess exactly what that is. It's a it's a tow yard. It's a wrecking yard where cars get sent that have either been totaled or are awaiting resale, or you know something like that. Now, as you can imagine, uh, one of the most common things to be stolen from from cars either in a tow yard or even in people's driveway, is the catalytic converter. Sure, yeah. You hear about that all the time. Huge money for those things. This actually happened to a buddy of mine out here in Los Angeles, Chuck Klausmeyer. Chuck drives a, uh, a Toyota Prius. I, as far as I know, Chuck was one of the first people to, to jump on the Prius bandwagon. And maybe about a year ago, he went out to start his car. He has a, a, an apartment in uh, North Hollywood. And he he said, Linz, I got in to the car, I hit the start button, and I swore that like 20 Hell's Angels pulled up behind me on Harleys. He said it was a deafening noise, and he got out of the car to look for, you know, the motorcycle gang that surrounded him, and then he realizes (laughs) it's his own Prius, that the catalytic converter, when it's missing, it was, he said it was like a thunderstorm, it was just... It was just deafening.
2: Somebody stole the catalytic converter off his Prius, just parked on the street.
1: He was actually in a parking garage, believe it or not, which was locked. Oh, my God. But they somehow waited until somebody drove out and they snuck in. And it was like a $3,000 repair. Yeah, that's not cheap. So according to reports, these employees at the Arlington Auto Wrecking Yard in Akron, Ohio, had been dealing with... Catalytic converter thefts and and other thefts people breaking into the yard usually overnight and stealing things and even though yes, it's you know, maybe, maybe the car itself is totaled it's it's still illegal to steal something from a car that you don't that you don't actually own. So they were dealing with this catalytic converter theft a lot. Now there was a, a suspect. Uh, or uh, I guess he wasn't yet a suspect. There was a a, a a thief named Alexander Funk, and Alexander was 26 years old. Now, they had had a couple of run-ins with this guy. The first time, this is a few months ago, they actually caught him in the act of stealing from a car parked in their yard. And what's amazing to me is that According to the employees, they confronted him. He's in the act. He's in the process of stealing. And they, they just said, dude, this isn't cool. Just leave. And he wow. actually did. They let him go. Didn't, didn't bother calling the police. It was like, just don't come back here anymore. Well, Mr. Funk decided, hey, it worked once. Let, <laughs> let me try it again. So, so a few weeks later, he's back and they recognize him and now there's a second confrontation and it's like look we didn't call the cops we told you just take off just leave this isn't cool you don't belong here now this time he gets a little spooked and he actually manages to evade them he runs past them and he's got a backpack with him and in kind of like a you know like a running back dodging defensive lineman <laughs> uh-huh. he find he finds an open hole and and runs away <laughs> and you would think confronted like that that they would say that he would say that alexander funk you know i've gotten caught twice and i've made it out i should probably just give up on this place
2: never never give up on the funk
1: but he knows this is Uh, what naval aviators call a TRE, a target rich environment. So sure enough, a few weeks later, he's back. Now here's what's different. This time it's early in the morning and one of the employees spots Mr. Funk in a car and they hear him rustling around inside the car they can see he's got a backpack. He's got tools. Here's the advantage. Mr. Funk does not see the employee spotting him. Ah. So employee sees Alexander in the car. Alexander doesn't realize that, that he's been spotted. So this employee, <laughs> in addition to being handy, you know, with, with his hands and moving things around, he also happens to know how to operate a forklift.
2: Oh, no. <laughs> do they have one of those giant car crushers there, too?
1: I would guess they do, because that's probably oh. how you lift these junked cars into the, into the giant yeah. crusher shredder thing. Well, you can probably guess, J.G., exactly what happened. Forklift driver literally tiptoes away so as not to make any noise <laughs> to Alexander inside the car. And he's able to fire up the forklift, and he's able to slowly, quietly drive over to to the car and brings the forklift right underneath the car and slips the forks under and hits the magic button. That car, with Mr. Funk safely tucked inside, is now lifted 20 feet up in the air.
2: Whoa! Please tell me that he started driving toward the car crusher.
1: That would have been genius. Oh, right. That that would have been absolutely priceless. Now, Mr. Funk, who is, as I said, safely tucked inside the car, also looks out the window and sees that he is two stories in the air. (laughs) And jumping is not really an option. But he's saying, hey, let me out. Let me out. And they say, oh, we will. We just got to make a phone call first, so they call <laughs> the Akron police. Uh-huh. When the employee calls nine one one, much to his surprise, the operator on the other line at the police station is having trouble talking, and the employee's thinking, "What what's going on?" And then he comes to realize the employee. Realizes that the operator, the 911 operator is having trouble talking because he is laughing so loudly and hard when he has this story described to him. And the police actually arrive to take, you know, Mr. Funk into custody and they're wearing body cams and you can see them walk over and look up at the forklift and the car inside, and even the cops are laughing and pointing at the car on top of the forklift. So not only is Mr. Funk the indignity of having gotten caught in the act, but he's actually being mocked by the police and the tow yard employees.
2: There's nothing worse than being mocked by tow yard employees.
1: No, there isn't. They're merciless. <laughs> one, of, one of the cops is staring up at the car 20 feet up in the air, and he turns to a fellow cop wearing the body cam, and he says <laughs> with a laugh, Man, that's genius. I never would have thought of that. <laughs> so inside the car, 26-year-old Alexander Funk, and they slowly lower the car down. And Mr. Funk gets out, and in the car with him is his backpack with a Sawzall, you know, the uh, Mm -hmm. the electric saw, and and Sawzall blades and other hand tools. And when the officers say, just curious why you got these tools in this backpack, (laughs) Funk doesn't admit to stealing anything in the car. He says, oh, I use that to steal copper pipes, which, okay. Which I yeah. I thought was interesting like uh, yeah, it? you may think that I was here trying to steal from this tow yard, but no, my my real job is actually stealing <laughs> copper pipes. Is there a lesser
2: sentence for copper pipe theft
1: than, uh, catalytic, than converter catalytic converter? Theft? That's a that's a great question. I know that out here in LA, the, the theft of copper is is a is a big yeah. problem and I'm guessing that's probably nationwide. Maybe worldwide. Yeah. So Mr. Funk is arrested for criminal trespassing and possessing criminal tools. And the employees of the Akron auto shop get a gold star from this podcast to catch the thief in the car. It actually reminded me of uh, of Macaulay Culkin and Home Alone because he knows his house and what's around him and what he can right? use to detour the wet bandits. Mm-hmm. Here, these guys knew it was a it was a safe, violent, free way of detaining this car <laughs> of this guy in the car by hoisting it with a forklift 20 feet in the air until the cops could come and laugh at him.
2: That's wonderful.
1: Just goes to show the benefits of knowing your surroundings. So again, thanks to our listener, Jordan Daniels and W-R-I-F-TV for uh, for the story. Need a lift, buddy. That's was amazing yeah I wish I could have seen that the the YouTube video of the cops laughing at the guy is just priceless that alone that yeah. alone yeah. and the fact yeah. that they were able to detain him in a way that was not a danger to him or any of the employees leave him up in the air two stories high until the cops show up that's Brilliant genius! I think they showed a lot of patience with this guy. You know, yeah. they let him go a couple
2: times. Well, they let him go once, and then he got away a second time. Yeah, to only put him in a forklift two stories off the ground seems pretty reasonable to me.
1: It does to me as well. But your idea of uh, of inching over toward the giant <laughs> shredder you know have another employee fire it up so fire you it up, see so those yeah. those rawr, blades rawr, grinding rawr, rawr, rawr. jordan banging against the windshield please please don't <laughs> drop me in the don't yeah. drop me in the shredder i've learned my lesson
2: <laughs> either way i think he's learned his lesson hopefully no doubt. no doubt yeah shallowendpodcast.com you can reach us lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com love to hear your stories in fact I think we're at a point now, Lindsay, uh, where we could probably cobble together another listener story episode.
1: I think uh, I think we're we're just one or two shy uh, from doing that. We've gotten some audio files. Some people have sent in MP3s of the stories, the telling them in their own voice, which we always appreciate. And we've also gotten some stories that are so <laughs> long and detailed that we are saving those for the episode that is just. Listener Stories. And that'll be coming up soon. And by the way, the odds on this are pretty low, but if by chance you're familiar only with this podcast and not the Box of Oddities that started it all, or our newest podcast, From Beneath the Hollywood Sign, check those out as well. If you think this is entertaining, those are really good. Yeah, that's way to sell it, Lynn. Mainly um, because it occurs to <laughs> me that those two podcasts have female talent, which I think automatically makes any podcast better
2: it elevates the standard yeah you know.
1: we're sort of the uh, we're sort of the junior high locker room of the three podcasts
2: regardless
1: we uh we're really glad
2: you're here and we appreciate you taking time to to spend some time with us and as always until we meet again make good
1: choices your life might depend on it
0: so concludes another episode of the shallow end with schnebley and toff We thank you for listening. Oh, be a dear, would you? Please subscribe to this podcast, give these boys a five-star rating, and think of something nice to say, even if you have to make something up. And visit us online at shallowendpodcast.com. Okay, gotta go.